Hello, welcome to episode 151 of Three Bears a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with Barry Neal. Barry, once again, we're doing this the way in the New World Order. We're doing it via Zoom, so it's nice to go and see you while we chat, even though not in the so park. I wish, I, bought, I wish I bought shares in Zoom. Oh, dude, if we want shares in Zoom, we'd be given, given up this malarkey and it's just, you know, lived off the profits of that. Um, as, this, is, <laughs> this is a gap, I mean, two weeks since we last talked, because last week's podcast was one we uploaded um, well before then, the 150th episode, so thanks to Stu for doing that. Um, so it's nice to catch up with yourself. Yeah, big shout out, Stu. Yeah, what are you drinking tonight, or this afternoon as we're doing this? Uh, I'm on diluting orange just because I'm technically working right now, so okay. the beers we're getting saved for tomorrow. What about yourself? What are um, you drinking? I am drinking Brewdog Punk AF, so it's an alcohol-free IPA. So I'm being completely sober during the day, and I'm drinking while I work, which is a very odd new, new way of working my life. Right. Enjoying the, enjoying the beer <laughs> on overtime at work yesterday, which is a nice way of working at home. Um, but how are you getting on just generally? It, it as, as could a, be a, a new thing. Exactly, exactly. Um, how are you getting on in the coronavirus world? Yeah, man, all right. All right, like I said, there's, I can't complain today. The sun's absolutely melting. Yep. Absolutely melting this year. Yeah. So I can't complain, you know. So good. Traffic's light, as always. I thought it was going to be absolutely jump-packed today, like spring break. Yep. But it's not. It's all nice and easy. All good. So for surviving, hopefully the hopefully the end is yeah. near, or for at least the beginning of the end. I'm not really sure where we are right now, but hopefully things one day return to normal. I like to think we're in the be- uh, the beginning of the end until I seen a story yesterday appearing of uh, monkeys kicking fuck out of a uh, lab technician and then stealing uh, COVID nineteen samples and then video footage of said monkeys drinking uh, the COVID samples and then spitting the test tubes out. So, <laughs> is it, I, I think we might be doomed. Imagine this makes the monkeys look super intelligent. This is like the whole Planet of the Apes thing. This is what kicks all the, the Planet of the Apes off. Or 20, 20, 20 days later. Hmm. All that. You One know. of two. I mean, you, I, I went for a happy <laughs> world where the monkeys just take over. You're going for a full virus epidemic. Um, but it, yeah, but it would be rather, <laughs> it would be rather strange if all of a sudden the monkeys became really smart <laughs> and I mean, like started communicating properly with us. <laughs> I've seen Planet of the Apes. They can do it. I know this happens. Um, yeah, but anyway, yeah. again, I've seen a monkey on a. Sorry, we're going way off track. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cinemas are still shut. Although there is some muted ideas maybe be opening in the next month or so so hopefully we get back to some cinema viewings but because they are shell shot we'll be doing the the streaming services uh, as we have been for the last two or three months now now as we all know you're a hardcore cinema goer yeah you're going to be rushing out to the first couple of days <laughs> i don't know it's, it's it very much as a, 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 a deliberation within myself like obviously I, I love the cinema i want to go back to cinema i want to see stuff in the cinema i am also aware there is yeah a social distancing aspect there is a sort of as a a moral, a moral responsibility to be, you know, responsible with what you're doing this now. So it will depend. Mm. It, it will, I'll, I'll have to really think over the, over the next month or so as, as things start to hopefully reopen. Um, I honestly don't know. It'll depend. It's, it also, it certainly will depend what's on as well. Like I might be willing to go out to go and see, you know, Black Widow. I might not be willing to go out so much to see some, you know, romantic comedy that I would have picked up just because it was happened to be on. But that, that do something. So it'll, it'll really depend on, on yeah. the. Of what the situation and also once the cinema I, I, I frequent one pacific cinema if, once i know what their sort of plans are you know to keep their patrons safe that would be good to know you know are they going to have limited capacity in the in the, the cinema screens are they going to have are they going to make people wearing their face masks mandatory are they not going to sell food at it i mean just generally it'd be interesting to know how they're going to 
how they function operate. That's that, that's one thing I'm looking for. Yeah, I know you really don't want to be catching COVID and then being on your deathbed for an absolute shiter of a movie. Yeah, like I'll do it. I will, I'll happily I'll happily go you know go to the wall for you know Black Widow, but not for yeah. you know some other stuff. But, Another um, reboot of the Batman origin story. We just don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. It's true. Um, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss instead some streaming stuff that's on just now. So. Did you manage to watch everything over the last couple of weeks that we, that we set ourselves? Uh, no. No, okay. No. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, look, I watched the trailer for that one that stars uh, Batista and thought against it. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about it anyway. So the first one we're going to talk yes. about is one that is currently available for streaming. You can get it on, I think, uh, Amazon downloads. You might, be able to, you might pay for it, but it's called Colour Out of Space. Um, Directed by Richard Stanley, who is famous for doing a film called, well, or for not doing a film called Island of Dr. Moreau, but he got kicked off of it. Um, he also done a film called Hardware and Dust Devil. He's a New Zealand gentleman and a very interesting guy. If you ever listen to an interview with him, he's a really interesting guy to listen to. Definitely lives on a kind of different plane from the rest of us. There's a different outlook on life. <clears throat> so this film is essentially about a meteorite crash lands in the back of a farm in rural America. Um, and the meteorite has an alien life form on it. The, the alien life form then begins to overtake the farm and all its inhabitants and causes them to go a little bit crazy and sort of consume them. And the film is sort of all about the people's descent into this craziness of, of this alien invasion. Um, in the film, you've got Nicolas Cage, being all Nicolas Cage, uh, Julie Richardson, Brendan Meyer, Maddock and Arthur, uh, Elliot Knight, and also Tommy Chong pops up in it as well. Um, did you watch this one? I did. I did. I liked, one? I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was really good. It was kind of good to see Nick Cage kind of doing other things. It's not just your bog standard Nick Cage movie. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I liked it. It was a. Uh, it was interesting. It was about. It was fucking creepy. I yeah. thought. I was a lot of the moments. I was a bit like, oh, Jesus. So Stacy was predominantly more watching it than I was. Right. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but I did actually like it. I liked uh, Nick Cage just doing other things. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I mean, I did mean to tell you with the horror. I know you're not the biggest horror fan, so I should have let you just keep warning about that one. Um, I can't guess it quite early on. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you with, with Cage. He is, he does go completely crazy Cage at times, you know, but for a big chunk of the film, it's quite a sort of withdrawn performance. He sort of, he is performing as an, as a, an actor, and then he sort of slowly mm. the film develops. He starts to build up and build up and build up to eventually he is going like full Nicolas Cage. But there are little hints of it during the start of the film, like when he's milking the llama and he just like guzzles the llama milk down, and you're like, oh, that is that is quintessential Nick Cageness. Um, mm. I thought it was good. I mean, <laughs> I, I, based on a, a Lovecraft book. Ah, um, oh, okay. You know, you know H.P. Lovecraft, very sort of trippy and sort of lots of big demons and very interesting mm. um, storyteller. Um, so it is very much a unique version of his sort of his his stories. Um, it, from what I've known, it changes quite a lot from the book because, by all accounts, H.P. Lovecraft was a pretty horrendous person. You know, he apparently he, he met oh. some good stories, but apparently extremely racist and chauvinistic, and that that comes through. That comes through in a lot, a lot of his work. So they've definitely taken that part oh. out of the story. Um, there's nothing like that in it. Um, and in fact, one of the main protagonists of the film is female, which apparently Lovecraft is very rarely ever ever do, even if a woman in, a, in one of the stories. Um, so I thought it was a really interesting look, because it is, me, it feels very Lovecraftian in the way how, how it is, but it's, there's definitely a different, a more modern twist on it. Um, I liked all the effects, some of the, like, the, the fact they mixed up the whole like, special effects and like sort of in, like practical effects. It is really interesting mix of the stuff with like the bit when the mother and the son like came one, essentially. 
that's a really yeah. trippy, fucked up moment. And it's like the, the fact they've done it, it wasn't all just done with like VFX, it was done with some sort of like puppetry and all that kind of stuff. That was really cool to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're kind of watching something the now, the now that's got like a strong mother son connection in it, and that's fucking weird as well. So when we seen this as well, we were like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> it's like, what's happening this week with mothers and sons? Mothers and sons, they're always right for. Um, for, for media, um, it's the first part of a trilogy. Would you be intrigued to see the other two parts if it if it does eventually get made? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think if they're done right, and as long as they can maybe tie down a uh, cage again, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Me, it's one of the films that I would like to see cinema more. Mm. I feel the visually that the, just because it's so bright and it's so colourful and it's the, it's colours so vivid, and I don't know about you, but the sound when I was watching it on TV was amazing. I think I loved to hear that like surround sound diminish it a little bit, and I think. As much as I'll sit and watch it because I'm like I enjoy watching all films. I think if you're just putting this on randomly, you might find yourself looking towards the phone a little bit at times because it does. It's quite a slow build up, and I think maybe it's like your more casual film viewer might lose a little bit because of the because of that. They, you know, they'll miss a lot of stuff on screen because they're too busy, you know, scrolling through Instagram or TikTok. <laughs> keeping it young, keeping it with the kids there. Keeping the kids. Uh, it was it? I yeah yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, you never know. It's like maybe like the cinemas might start like pulling movies that were due, that should have been released, and just start pumping them out. You know, just to try and get a lot of folk in the doors. That's definitely know? a possibility. Yeah, I mean, if because studios Spe- haven't, got, especially haven't, if they should, yeah, yeah, they haven't got stuff ready to go right now. I don't think so. They may have to dip back into sort of the back catalog from the last few months and get that stuff out just to try and you know push it more. So. You're absolutely right, something like this maybe could end up in cinema. I don't think maybe what we are how cinema will probably end up in, but no, it'd be great to see it in the yeah. but definitely one of those films that I feel like it's made for the big screen, not for the not for the small screen. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's just that kind of captivating like visual ex- experience, you know? Yeah, but it's definitely it's definitely not for like sort of casual viewing, I think. It's definitely one of the ones you've got to really embrace it and sort of you've got to pay attention to it. I think if you start just sort of dipping out of it, you'll completely lose what's happening in the story. Yeah, yeah. No. Out of 10, sure. what are you going to give it? Sure. I'm going to give it a solid 7, because I did, I totally digged it, even though I was shitting it half the time, but I was into it. <laughs> hey, I'm much the same, I'm giving it an, I'm giving it an 8. I, I really genuinely dug it a lot, I thought it was an excellent film. I, I was really surprised at how much I actually really, really enjoyed it. Um, 8 out of 10. Nice. Next one up on the list is a documentary, that I downloaded it from the from Australian film called The Australian Dream, um, directed by Daniel Gordon, who did a film called The Game of Their Lives and Don't Live It Down, which is all about um, Richard Branson. He's done one about him, so he's, uh, you know, he's trying to around the world in a balloon. So he's done a film about him, so yes. he's, he's quite into his, his 40 films. Um, the plot of this film, is a documentary, but the plot of it essentially is about a trained rose football player who was of uh, Aboriginal descent, who when he's one day he's going down, he's playing a game at, at the MCG, which is a big, massive arena. It's like a whole 101,000. And he's going out to get the ball from the touchline, and someone calls him an ape. They, they make they make the racist remark towards him. Yeah. He basically turns and he goes, "No, I want that person out of this place. I don't want. I'm not going to. I will, mm-hmm. I will not play with that person sitting in the crowd." Which totally justifiable. Totally understand what he's doing. It turns out that the, the person who made the remarks a 13 year old girl. The 13 year old girl gets marched out of the MCG. Then it's sort of it's a stray. Then sort of the, the stray just kind of splits itself into two camps. Of half the people are not half. But a certain percent you believe in that Adam Good was completely right what he was doing. And he was, should call it racism whenever he sees it. There's a percentage of people who are going, yeah, but he's done this to a 13 year old girl and he shouldn't be doing it to a 13 year old girl. You know? So that's where they can come from. And it's a true sort of examination of not only this one incident, but it's examining sort of the very nature of how it deals with and how it, how it understands Aboriginal culture yeah. and Aboriginals who live within, who, who, who live on, live in that country. 
Um, did you watch this by any chance? I didn't, unfortunately, no. Uh, um, I can't wish I did, actually, now, to be fair honest. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because I know you had spoke very, yeah, yeah, you had spoke very highly about it beforehand. Um, yeah, I just didn't get it, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely. If you can try and find it, definitely find it because it's a really dark and disturbing, like an examination of a sugar soul. You know, someone's put a mirror mm. up the sugar. This guy be doing this. He put a mirror up the sugar in Australian sort of society, true society, as one has looked into the mirror. Half of the people looked at me and went, holy fuck, we're messed up. We need to do something to change this. Whereas another half went, yeah. I don't really like what I see, so fuck you for showing me what you know, for show me this. I don't want to be able, I don't want to see this. I want to just be the way things were. You know? Um, yeah. So it's what it's good about it's, it's, uh, it's sorry, man, go ahead. I'm sorry, but continue. Um what it's it's it is about a single moment and about this one man's career. But it, like it, what it does well is it it does it, it, it examines the Australian policy towards Aboriginals and show you is like um, sort of attitude towards Aboriginals over the past hundred years. And you see some like some other Aboriginal players who play in the league before this guy and the abuse that they, they, they had during the game, it's completely it's unconscionable to be honest. And not only from the fans mm. who are like who are, just, who are just a bunch of a mob essentially. But one guy didn't turn up for a TV interview one time. This is in the nineties, no I think in the early two thousands as an Aboriginal player didn't turn up for a a TV interview because he did something else, he made a mistake, he didn't come up for it. So the interviewers, rather than just passing off as like, oh shit, I didn't come up, what can we do? One of them goes away and gets into blackface and then sits down and takes his place. And you're like, holy, this wasn't in the 1950s, this was in the 2000s. This is like, holy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just that unbelievable. That's fucking wild, isn't it? It's absolutely wild. It's utterly vile, some of the stuff in it. And um, it's that's why it, it always bemuses me how every now and again, like a celebrity or whoever it may be that's kind of in the spotlight, they always seem to get tripped up by some sort of like racist remark. Yeah. And you're like, what is it that's in your fucking DNA that makes you yeah. talk like that and act like that? You know? Uh, and that's kind of what Doc Ray tries to get to the heart of. It's like, if you say something in jest amongst friends that's racist, mm. That's not okay. That's because the fact you are saying that shows instantly that is in your DNA. You know, it yeah, has yeah. To, you know, you can't just say it and pass it over as a joke between friends. It's, that's not what it is. You know, and it's, it tries to get to that. What the doctor does as well, though, and I, I thought it was a really risky thing that it did, was it tries to show yeah. the other side. It gives a voice to people who were sort of on, who, who are against the, the the player, saying that what you did was wrong, and okay. they say the showers, you know, it's nothing wrong with what people are doing. It's it's not racist behaviour. It's nothing like that. Which I think the documentary just about managed to pull off the line where it sort of shows them making these comments and they, and they let them, they give them a chance to talk and sort of run with it. And I think what it does well is that because the more they talk, the more idiotic they sound, you know, and that's yes. maybe the way to show up how stupid and how idiotic these people are. If you let, let them talk for five minutes, you go, you're a fucking idiot, you know? And it, yeah. it, it, it's more, it's not just a sound bite that people can rally behind it, like, you know, people can rally behind it's, it's allowing a person to try and explain themselves. And the more they explain themselves, the more they turn themselves in knots and twist themselves, that you realise, no, these are idiots. And hopefully people who are watching that see that and don't see the people as sort of a, a lightning rod to go, well, I'm, I'm on that guy's side. You should see it as, you know, see the people for the idiots that they actually are. Um, mm. The ending is, it's a really sad ending in a way because the guy had to give up the game. He basically got to the point where like, he couldn't oh. play the game anymore because the amount of stress he was under, the amount of like, craziness he was under. And he basically says to himself, he didn't want to be a sort of a figure in the world where he would be this guy who would be, you know, this sort of 
civil rights players. He didn't, he didn't want to be that. He just wanted to be a football player. But this yeah. is sort of thrust upon him, and it's just it's too much for him. He has to basically give up the game. He is hopeful that hopefully what he went through is a sort of a, a, a sign to other people, and they can they can build on on what his legacy was. But it's just a really kind of sad that a guy, pretty much the prime of his career, has to give the game up because of like just racial behaviour. It, it's, it's really sad, but it's a really interesting documentary. It's not a comfortable watch, but there's stuff in it like. Holy fuck! I, I really can't believe that still happens. Um, but it's a really interesting mm. watch, especially if you know anything about Australian history. Um, if I've even yeah, yeah. Australian history to see how this was, you know, the Australian policies towards Aboriginals over up until the nineteen seventies and eighties was pretty much, you know, some of the most abhorrent, horrible stuff you can ever possibly imagine. It's it's, it's really interesting to see, mm. you know, a country still very much at war with itself and try and try to find out what it's, you know, what it's going to be in the future. Uh, I'd give it nine out of ten. Nice, nice. I no, I'll definitely look for it, man. Uh, yeah, that's oh, a, sh- a shame that the guy ended up just giving up the game. You know, absolutely yeah. just shite. Yeah, you know, really sad. But said, well, if I watch, we get a chance to find things for the Australian dream. Next up, since I've talked for ever, we'll do, do a film. We'll do something we both watched, and that is the Netflix series everybody's talking about right now, which is called The Last Dance, uh, directed by Jason yes. Kierher. Who directed um, a lot of thirty for thirty episodes and also done the Andre the Giant documentary? Remember the one we watched? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a ten episode thing on Netflix. It's all about the Chicago Bulls, or more specifically about Michael Jordan with Chicago Bulls from the kind of late eighties mm. through to ninety six or ninety seven, I think it is, when he went from being yeah. the Chicago Bulls went from being sort of like a joke within the league, always sort of always second, never really done anything to the powerhouse of American sports and also Michael Jordan becomes probably the most recognisable sportsman of the 20th century behind Muhammad apart from Muhammad Ali probably probably the most recognisable sportsman mm. of the 20th century and how his image yes. and how his uh, world how, how, how his career not only changed basketball but just changed sports in general and you know the, the, the figure yes. of the, the figurehead um, start with yourself because you, you wanted to watch this you, you wanted to mention you were watching the first what did you think of this overall? Overall, I thought I really, I absolutely dug this. Yeah. Like you said, if you love your 30 for 30s, you're going to absolutely dig this because it's got the same kind of flavour. It's just banded to 10 episodes in a classic Netflix kind of style. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought it was really good. It, it was The only negative I took away from it was the jumping timeline. That's the only thing I took away from it, how it would be one minute, more so when it was maybe going back to, say, from the from the kind of later part of the 90s career to like the early part of the 90s career. I found because the footage didn't change a lot, if you weren't paying attention or if you missed that uh, kind of time jump, you'd be sitting there thinking, is this 96 or 97? And then you'd find out it's like 93 or something like that. But outside of that, that was my only negative was the constant like jumping timelines. I would have preferred that if like an episode focused on one particular type, like couple of years at a time, and so it was always ramping up towards the kind of dynasty. You know, yeah, that's what um, I would have preferred. Yeah, I'm actually totally same with yourself. I thought it was excellent. I really enjoyed it because I'm a big fan of Thirty for Thirty as well. So I like I love how they can bring the drama mm-hmm. and they can. You can even if you don't care about the sport, they make you want to care about the sport. You might make, want to care about the protagonist in it. Um, yeah, yeah. I liked that every episode had its own wee sort of mini drama about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. One was all about him, like he had some gambling issues at one point. One's about his college career. One's 
about you know sort of um, when he when he left and went and became like a baseball player and stuff like that. So it's all every episode sort of got and one's about you know a couple of teammates. He one about Scotty Pippen at one point, one about Dennis Rodman. So they do enough that every episode sort of they're all self-contained enough, but it does need to be binge. Yes. I think it does feel like it's a bingeable show compared to you know yeah yeah um, we- other shows. But I'm kind of the same with you. The, the only thing, the only negative I could find about it was the time jumps. And it's exactly the same reason that you said was when it goes from like 1996 to like 90, 1970 when you first break into the college film, I go, okay, I can see the difference there. I, I can understand it. It's, it's a total difference in style, a total difference in the clothes. Everything is totally, I can get this is a time jump. But when, when it goes mm-hmm. from like 96 to 92, I'm like, they're all, and all, all, all the uniforms look exactly the same. The teams look all exactly the same. I'm like, I don't really know what's something like a bit like, I'm like, the same like is this pre-tournament or this post you know winning the awards you know it's sort of so that was only i felt that wasn't communicated enough and i don't think it really needed the jumping back in time between the 96 and 93 you know aspect of it mm. um, yeah yeah absolutely um i think like i don't know about yourself but i'm not a basketball fan by any stretch of the imagination maybe if you're like right into it you'd maybe take a wee bit more from it but just on the surface, I thought it was a great documentary. It yeah. is telling the stories, I personally would have loved to have seen a bit more of a Dennis Rodman, you know. Yeah. Just see all the crazy antics that he was getting up to, you know. I don't I think, think even when he got his episode, there wasn't enough there for it to enjoy it. I think the thing, though, is Dennis Rodman, this is all about Michael. This is Michael Jordan's documentary. Although there is stuff yeah, yeah. there, this is all about Michael Jordan, the rise and the, the rise and the rise and the rise of Michael Jordan. There is a documentary mm. out there for Dennis Rodman. There's no, absolutely mm. nothing that tells me you can't do a Dennis Rodman documentary quite easily. Um, so yeah, I yeah. think they're almost sort of holding back the, the full Rodman story for something else <laughs> when, it's, when it's all about him because they don't really yeah, need yeah. To, to do it. There's, there's more than enough there with Michael Jordan's career to fill in the, the, the episodes rather than having to delve too much into the madness that is Dennis Rodman. But it, does, it made me appreciate how good a, how good a basketball player Dennis Rodman was. You know, everyone yeah. the, the publicity and everything. He was a very, very good player of what he did. Yeah, I love the fact when uh, Mike was telling the story about uh, when he disappeared to Vegas and then he ultimately, the team had to go and get him from his bed afterwards. They turned up for training and then they were doing some sort of like running thing and they realised that Rodman was like a boss ball. Aye. So they were like, oh, we better just take it easy and all that. And then like, they turn around, then Rodman's already like galloping around the gym, right. and they are struggling to keep up with him. And he's been on like this crazy fifty-hour bender. Uh, <laughs> Rodman is a force of nature. Uh, you know, he is something else. Like, um, what about the fact that it was ten episodes? Enough? Too many? Could have done more? Something um, less? I don't know. Like you said, a lot of it was. I I don't think there was an episode that was wasted. You know, right, fair enough. I thought. I thought every episode there was enough in it just to justify an episode, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess they probably could have squeezed it down to just like a kind of normal 30 for 30 uh, experience, but I don't know if you'd get the full effect, mm. you know? Um, nah. I think I'm, I'm with you the most part. I think it does justify the 10 episodes just about. I think there's enough in each episode to make it worthwhile watching. I think you could have mm. squeezed it down to maybe eight mm. just to make it flow that bit better. I don't think you want to do it in one episode. I think that's that's not enough. You know, you know, the one-hour documentary type thing. Because they've done that with Michael Jordan before. They've done like the one where he becomes a baseball player. They've done, they've done an hour-long documentary on that, and it's like, well, that's enough for that one city. But Michael Jordan's career is so huge and so mm. you know 
massive that you can't really do his whole career in like an hour and a half. It just it seems impossible. So for the most part, I think the 10, the 10 episode, is, is, it earns it and it, it's not quite some of the documentaries that watched on Netflix where you're really sitting there going, let's just move this along. This did feel like it owned it. But if they could have trimmed it down to eight episodes, I think that would have been totally fine as well. I think there's there 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 enough that you could get it down to the eight. But there's nothing wrong with 10. Yeah, out yeah. Out of 10, we're going to give it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to give it a solid eight. You know, I think it's it's worth a watch. You know, it's something a wee bit different on at least the UK Netflix. Uh, and it's not really Car Crash TV either. It's done really well. So, yeah, I'm giving it a solid eight out of 10. We are very much in sync these days, dude. I'm also giving it an eight out of 10. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I, just don't want, I just don't want Netflix to become this fucking dumping ground for things that aren't quite good enough for television, you yeah. know? No, I agree. And it ends up just getting filled with utter just garbage, you know? I think well, I think the important thing I have to do with this, just because the Michael Jordan documentary was a success, it's now not to be like, let's just mm. find every sports team and do any documentary about them. I think there's something specifically special about Michael Jordan, you know? Yes. I don't yeah, want to see yeah. a documentary about Arsenal's 1997 seasons. Like, I really don't give a fuck. It's nothing like that entertaining. So I don't know. I couldn't name a single player on the team. Um, I mean, why not? Aye, <laughs> but the Michael Jordan yeah. career and the Michael Jordan sort of dynasty is something that's uh, it's yeah. so unique and it's so it's bigger than just the sport. It's, it, it, he became one even if you don't like Chicago Bulls, even if you don't really know it the basketball, you can still embrace and enjoy it. And really, honestly, I couldn't really think of another yeah. sporting team whose documentary would be quite as compelling. But then that's what Thirty or Thirty do; they make things that are really compelling you don't care about. <laughs> so maybe they can find something else that we think is not interesting, but actually will be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. So, 8 out of 10 for Last Dance, really worth a watch. Well, if, you, if, if everyone's got Netflix, so go and find it, well worth watching. And the last film, which I told you to watch, and you bailed on this, and I picked this specifically for you because it has a wrestler in it. Yep. You love wrestling. I thought Barry will watch this, and Barry let me down. So, the film is called My Spy. It is directed by Peter Segel, who directed Grudge Match, um, Get Smart, The Longest Job, Mickey Gunther being a third. And also my fellow Americans, which I throw in there because I like my fellow Americans and no one else seems to like it. So the plot of this film is there is a secret agent or a spy who is tasked with his final mission. He keeps messing up his missions. He's got to go and basically babysit and watch over the sister of a possible gangster and their, and her daughter. The daughter discovers that they're watching them and she basically blackmails them into teaching how to be a secret agent. And the um, agent then falls in love with her mother and it's all sort of everything that comes from that. So it's just, it's, it's a simple, it's, you've seen, kind of seen it something, some of the boards. It's a kind of kindergarten cop, but with spies mm. rather than FBI. Okay. Yeah. In the film, you've got Dave Batista, which is why I picked it for you. Uh, you get Chloe <laughs> Coleman, who's a wee girl from Upload. If you've never uploaded the TV show, she's a wee girl in that. You get Christine okay. Schall, who is in it as well. Uh, Parisa Fitzhenley, who's in Fancy Island, and Luke Cage, and also Ken Jong from Community pops up in it as well. So everyone right now is trying to get Army's crown. Everyone still wants the Army crown. You know, they're all trying to be the next mm. Schwarzenegger. Now, to be the mm. next Schwarzenegger, you cannot just do action. You have to also do the family comedy as well. You have to have a good family comedy that people remember and people love. So Army obviously had Kindergarten Cop. He had Junior. He had Twins, you know. Army's got that his repertoire. Didn't go all the way as well. Army's got it all. Every major Rocket action Man. star now. What one? Uh, that one that was all about the, the toy superhero at Christmas. Jingle all the way. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, jingle all the way. Oh, yeah. Okay, Joko. So everyone's tried it. You know, it's like you 
Vin Diesel when he was at height of his like action powers, he'd done the pacifier, you know. Yeah. The Rock's done a few as well, you know. I'm sure his name yeah. John Cena's now doing a couple as well. He's turning up in the grown ups film and stuff. Not grown ups um Daddy's home and all that kind of stuff, so he's trying to get in there as well. So everyone's trying. And this is again, this is this is pitch at that. So he's trying to find the same vein as kind of Gavin Cop, you know, the big British guy brought down by the little kid. You know, mm. it's got a few laughs in it. There's no denying that. It's got a couple of giggles in it. The long, young girl, Chloe uh, Coleman, is very charming. She's she's, she's a nice kind of bit of repertoire with Batista. But it's just overall, it's a bit blah, to be honest. It's, it doesn't really have much of interest in it. Um, and the weakest thing in it, I'm sorry to say for yourself, is Mr. Batista. He's, yeah. He's not an actor. No. No. Like you can, he wasn't even that good as an he wasn't even that good as an actor in the wrestling. Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, when I seen when he did move to Hollywood, like I did realise that it was gonna be a bit of a bumpy road for him. Yeah. You know, and I think the only reason he's had any sort of like uh, what bumps and rolls to actually play is kinda because people kinda can't quite afford the rock. So like he's like riding on the uh, the tails of the rock, you know, big muscly guy who's a bit cheaper, and all the kids will recognise him from the wrestling. He's he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's got there's a certain level of charm to him yeah. in Guardians of the Galaxy. But he's playing yeah. that very. In fact, the less acting he does in that seems like it works more for it. You know, feel that's what works. In this film, he's asked to emote, and he's asked to be funny, and he's asked to be you know to show some other emotions and he just he hasn't got it in the belt and it's it's not a bad thing it's it's you've got to find what you're good at and some actors can do it some can't he's a perfectly passable action star he can get by he's, he's okay in his action movies but this is the kind of film that is, it's not for him and i think that's the biggest weakness of it alongside the fact that kirsten mm. shaw who turns up in um the last man on earth it's very very funny game has literally nothing to do and i feel like if you're going to put her in a film give her something to do give her some comedy she is very, yeah. very funny. Use her properly. They don't, they seem to think that Batista's charisma will win through and that will make it interesting. Like, ah, I lost it. I, I wasn't buying Batista's charisma. Um, yeah. It's only about 90 minutes long. I, don't, I, I just don't think he's a, he's a main character. Like, he's not a, he can't, like, carry a film. He's not there yet, you know. He's not a front man. Definitely not a front man. Um, the biggest no. I mean, problem with the film, it's not particularly well done. In fact, the plot meander for the first hour and 10 minutes, and then they finally realised, oh, yeah. shit, we actually had a film to finish off. We've got to put a story into this <laughs> in the final 20 minutes. So it's this mad rush to the final 20-minute finish, and it's like, oh, well, that seems like a TV episode rather than a movie, you know, now. So yeah. overall, it's, to be honest, I think younger kids might enjoy it, but I think it's actually, I think it's like, a, I think it's like a, maybe a, a 15 almost, actually, because it seems like there's a couple of jokes and you go, I don't know if that's PC enough to be in like a, a kid's film. Maybe maybe it's got a twelve, but I'm not 100 percent sure. I'm assuming it got a twelve because otherwise yeah, yeah. there's a point in making it. Um, younger kids they might enjoy it, you know, maybe fun to see, you know, the silliness of it. But to me, a couple of laughs here, here and there, but not but not enough to justify the, the watching because I was a bit let down by it. So I would give it a six out of ten. Mm. So. Okay. Well, you know, it's not bad, six out of ten, you know. I was expecting a lot less if I'm being honest. Yeah. And maybe yeah. a laugh twice. Like I said. Central. Maybe last twice or three times, so I think it's a pass at least as a comedy, but definitely yeah. better out there. Um, it's on Amazon if you're yeah. looking for it. Have a look for it. Um, but that is us for this week. Next week, I sent you a list already, so this is my yes. interesting stuff for you. So we have yes. The Banker, it's on Apple Plus. Um, okay. It's uh, probably a kind of courtroom drama with Sam Jackson, which 
is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. We've got Aftermath, which is on Netflix. It's about it's Arnold Schwarzenegger looking for the person responsible for killing his family in a plane crash. Quite interesting. Okay. We've got uh-huh. on, Sky, on Sky Movies, Come to Daddy, which looks like a very weird Elijah Wood <laughs> horror film. I've heard very interesting I mean, about I, it. And also, I mean, honestly, like just that title alone should be on like the Sky Dirty channels. Yeah, yeah it should be, but it's not. So we'll have to watch that. And also, <laughs> we have got the new Netflix documentary. It's a four-part series called Jeffrey Epstein, Filthy Rich, which I am sure will be a fun and happy. Yeah, I'm kind of hearing like mixed reports about it. So yeah, we'll kind of take it as it is, unfortunately. We'll get that watched this yep. week and we'll talk about that next week. Where do you want to find us? Uh, all the usual social media haunts, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, at Three Beers in a Movie. That's great. So for this week, I've been Richard. You've been Barry. And we've been listening to... Three Beers in a Movie.